Hello there. Welcome to a new day, a new Monday, and to the ninth episode of the Deliberate Talks podcast. And all charged and ready to face the blues is me, your host Dakshin Radhyantaya. And in today's episode, we work towards a more developed mindset, restocked with new experiences. So, if you're ready to walk the path of an evolved personal and work goal, this is an episode you want to loop into. But as the drill goes, let's start with some cool aspects you least knew about. So, according to the statistics presented by Twin Employment in Training, 36% of employers look for employees who can multitask. 31% of them look for someone who can initiate. 21% of them look for creative thinking, and the other 12% look for something else in a candidate. Now, according to a study from Salesforce. 88% of employees and executives cite lack of collaboration or ineffective communication for workplace failures. And a study from Room to Escape highlights that companies and organizations that communicate effectively are four and a half times more likely to retain their best employees. Hmm, interesting. And now it's time to meet our guest today. and understand a little more in depth about communication and work goals but before that this is the deliberate talks weekly podcast powered by the pixelated egg digital ventures tune in every week to learn something new about digital marketing and entrepreneurship and now over to the voice of your host Production Adiantaya. Enjoy the show. So we have an interesting guest on the show today who began her career as a journalist and spent more than 10 years in media. She also is an author of two books on entrepreneurship including the bestseller The Wealth Wallahs for which she was recognized with the Young Woman Author Award by the Indian Women Enterprise Awards. Today she is the founder and ceo of harappa education an online learning institution committed to unleashing the potential of india's graduates and professionals through its unique behavior science inspired curriculum framework of cognitive social and emotional skills here is introducing shreyasi singh hello shreyasi welcome to the deliberate talks podcast thank you for being a part of the show Thank you, Dakshin, for having me. Uh, very, very excited. As I told you, I love podcasts. So happy to be your uh, guest on one. Great. Let's start with talking about Harappa Education. Tell me, Shreyasi, where did you see the loopholes as an opportunity for creating an online education business like Harappa Education, and how did you go about executing the entire plan? Gosh, you know, origin stories are always messy. Uh, <laughs> people expect that you would have a one line answer and you have this eureka moment and everything flows from there you know you're a fellow entrepreneur they should understand that things are a bit, bit more organic and and genuinely messy and they take time to emerge and i think that's happened with harappa as well i think over a period of say from july august 2017 to march 2018 sort of over 7 months of conversations between me and my co-founder pramod is when sort of the idea of harappa was seeded and i won't bore you with all of 
you know, the, the conversations we had then. But at the very core, I think the problem that we're very excited about solving and feel like it must be solved is the fact that formal higher education systems just don't give you the entire range of skills that you need to be a successful professional as well as a productive individual out in the world. And that is something that we feel is you almost let people go into workplaces in adulthood without fully equipping them with, with just the gamut of competencies that they need. And so that's what we believe in and, and work at it, Harappas, to say beyond higher education and beyond formal degrees, what are the skills that you need to be a successful person? And, and that is really the problem we're trying to solve at, at, at the very core. Nice. Now let's talk about habits. Your brand specifically talks about five particular habits that one should focus on. Let's start with thinking. With regards to thinking, in a space surrounded by creative people and people who love to do something beyond their routine work, you have colleagues who already have a mindset that I am not as creative as that person. How does one unleash that creativity and enhance their thinking process better? So, you know, I, th- I think to come to the habit five, sort of the five habits that we believe very strongly about at Harappa, the habit to think, solve, communicate, collaborate, and lead, and this is leading yourself even before you can lead others. We feel a very, it's just an easy way for people to say that whether you're a public policy person, whether you're a digital marketer, or whether you're a software programmer, data scientist, whatever have you, um, the variety of jobs that people do, the fact is you need to learn how to think, solve problems, communicate, collaborate, and lead, right? And which is why we sort of categorize our skills into these super skill categories called habits. Now, coming to your question on think, I think thinking, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of one of the most fundamental activities that we do. And unfortunately, we've never really been taught how to think. We haven't been given concepts and frameworks that help us think about the same piece of information from a variety of perspectives and, and vantage points, right? And I think this point that you said, the, the what you said about creativity is so true. I think for too long, people have felt, have sort of almost priced themselves out of the creativity game because in class eight, class nine, class 10, they've either convinced themselves that they're not creative and where often they meet, they're not artistic uh, and that they can't paint or sketch or draw or build uh, something tangible, sort of a piece of art. And that process is it's shocking and sort of very disheartening to me that how quickly that begins to happen and how quickly people start self-identifying themselves as not being creative. It's similar to how people start feeling like they hate math because, you know, they've, they've had a terrible time. Sort of one big thing that we believe in at Harappa is essentially the concept of the growth mindset, right? That a lot of these, and the skills we teach at Harappa are, are as much art as they are science. That of course, there are some inherent abilities all of us have been born with, but on a variety of these skills, right, on these cognitive social and behavioral skills, certainly that we teach, you can learn them. They are learnable, right? Uh, they're not easy to teach. That's a different problem. But can you become a better thinker systematically? Can you become a better communicator systematically? And we certainly believe you can. And I think that's very important from a creativity perspective, first and foremost, to give people that confidence, right? And to demonstrate to them that, A, you are more creative than you think you are first. Because, hey, guess what? I don't think you fully understand what creativity means. So don't sort of, you know, put yourself out of the vacuum. Second, however creative, you know, innovative, 
or whatever you are, the fact is there are ways in which you can become more so. So, and th- I think it's only after you achieve those two mindset shifts that even introducing concepts, tools, or tactics to become more creative are meaningful. Because if you don't attack those two problems first, that a this is what it means, and second that you can continue to become better and more creative, anything that you tell people is not going to happen. So. Our, we actually, through the five courses, we have in a think habit, thinking critically, mm-hmm. reasoning logically, decoding others, unleashing creativity, and learning expertly, right? And we face to these five skills, essentially, which boil down to what is thinking critically, just thinking a little bit more deliberately about the information that you access or have access to. What is reasoning logically? Essentially, being able to apply emotion and logic together and see where that lands you and not disassociate for too long. Also, people feel like you don't have to reason through emotion. Reasoning is only about logic. Well, that's not true. We are human beings. We're going to also have a lot of emotions to reason through when we make decisions or, you know, come up with solutions. Decoding others. And the, I mean, design thinking professionals will talk about this all of the time, human-centered design and, and empathy. Just how are you understanding others? And, you know, how are ways in which you can understand someone else better, which is sort of really the, the universe of emotional intelligence that we focus at, right? And then, of course, some smart creativity angles. And then how to learn. This learning expertly is we have been taught things, right? And we have been taught concepts and we've been taught content. But the most important thing that we should have been taught is we've, and we've ever spent time on, how do you learn? How do you learn to learn, right? And, and creativity is as much, and again, creativity is not about patent, trademark inventions. It's not. It is about the power of incrementalism as well, right? And it is about as much as about doing new things as about looking at old things in a new way. And for me, that, that always sort of shifts the way that, I think helps people shift the way to say, Listen, to be, show someone you're creative, you don't have to invent. Not all of us will invent things. Second, most inventions are derivative, right? They're always on the back of some work that has always happened. Essentially, even as progress-minded, future-oriented individuals, they're adding to the body of knowledge out in the world with sort of a special filter that we bring on it, right? And that filter can often be very valuable. So, uh, you know, we really, again, sort of talk about that, that A, how can you look at old things in a new way how you can how can you apply something that happens in digital marketing to physics how can you apply something that happens in physics to biology sort of this convergence of lots of ideas is what we mean by creativity sorry that was a really long answer but it's a (laughs) uh, favorite topic (laughs) no problem at all in fact it's a very valuable conversation and let me dig in a little more deeper into the habits part of it yes thinking is one part of it effective communication is the other part of it How undervalued is communication according to you? And why should people prioritize in improving it? You know, even more so in the digital age, communication has become even more important. How are we communicating with each other right now? And whether it's through video calls, audio calls, text messages, LinkedIn posts, emails, all of that, actually you need to be a better writer and a better speaker than you were ever before. So I think without being able to communicate with the world and being able to sort of, you know, portray your ideas in some compelling fashion, 
I, I really don't know what you can get done in the world, right? So um, as long as you have to work with others and you're not some one genius and a maverick with a machine and that you, you, know, you can be self-contained in this bubble and you can run the world or your own world or make progress, the fact is to get anything done, you work with other people. And when you work with other people or partner with other people for anything, the fact is there has to be a flow and a back and forth of ideas, right? How are those ideas told to each other? How do we receive those ideas? It's really only communication tools that can and that can do that. So communication is so, so, so critical. And we've spoken about writing and speaking, which is obviously delivering communication, right? Like you delivering communication, whether it is to one more person, whether it's one to two, or whether it is to many people, um, if you're giving a speech or whatever. We believe that it's actually the flip side of it, how do you acquire communication, right? How do you invite communication that the world is giving you, that's sort of all around you, is as important to help you build and be an effective communicator. So for example, in our habits at Harappa, the communicate habit, again, we have five skills or five core skills, right? So speaking and writing are the ones that people immediately understand much more from the communication courses. But what we've done is we've added three more and, uh, and two are listening actively and reading deeply because how do you acquire information you essentially acquire information by listening to somebody somebody talk about something that you want to get information on whether you're watching a youtube video whether you're a professor whether a boss or whether a peer whatever it is and the other way you acquire information and build cognition really is by reading so both listening and reading are as critical first so that you can acquire that information speaking and writing are of course so that you can deliver your what you want to say and then the fifth thing of sort of this sort of magical quality of presence, right? Uh, that some people just seem to have more of, and others less of, which is essentially on a non-verbal, non-verbal communication and and body language. That being the fifth core. So we feel these five things: how you listen, how you read for cognition, how you speak, speak for impact, how you write for clarity and how you present yourself beyond these things, all five elements come together to make you an effective communicator. I really do believe, you know, I've had a very serendipitous and sort of almost unlikely career, right? I started as a journalist and moved into higher education. And now I keep saying I'm a non-techie, non-MBA founder of a digital startup, which is sort of had a big series of funding. I genuinely believe it is my skills as a communicator that have helped me play these different roles. Because... I can read a lot very quickly. I can write that to myself to, for clarity. And then I can convince people through the way I speak, whether it is to get somebody to recruit, whether somebody to join my team, whether it is to sell her apart to someone, you know, whether it is to spread my ideas as a brand, right? My skills as a communicator are so core to whatever success I've, I've had in my personal and professional life. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. In fact, emphasizing on your conversation, We're talking about leadership skills at the end of the day, right? So just like you mentioned about your personal habits about reading and your communication and your other gigs, what about the leadership skills? And there is a plot of horrible bosses that exist almost everywhere. So what are some examples that leaders need to set when it comes to communication? You know, I think leaders, managers, anybody who manages teams, the companies, we still understand that they really operate in a fishbowl, right? Uh, I and mean, the harsh reality is that when you're leading whatever small team, big team, large company, small company, the fact is all eyes are on you all the time. And I think so everything that you do gets modeled, right? Uh, so whether you want to or not, uh, your behaviors are being scrutinized and they will be 
amplified and scaled, especially within your company. So uh, you have almost no choice but to communicate effectively. So sort of look at the times that we're in. It's a difficult time to be a boss, be a manager, be a CEO, be a be a leader. Uh, however, you want to describe that word, right? You need to be able to convince people to work hard, even when things are not clear. You need to be able to get people to try new things when you have no idea whether they're going to work or not. All of that really is possible when you're able to communicate where you're coming from. So where you're able to not just give directions of the this is what we will do or this is how you should do it, but why am I doing this, right? All of the explaining the why of anything always calls for better communication skills, whether you're trying to say that on an email or whether you're trying to convince people in an all hands or a meeting or a brainstorming. So I think uh, leaders must get very deliberate about communication. Second, I think leaders must get very deliberate about written communication, especially when we're not seeing each other often. The fact is that you don't want everybody on the call, everybody to be on every call all the time. You can't, right? It's not productive. So the way that you can really document team history, institutional memory is just by being disciplined and adept at written communication. And I feel that just doesn't happen enough. And the lack of written communication also leads to so much chaos, ambiguities, um, lack of clarity, because, you know, everybody understands something else. So uh, I would really urge leaders, especially at this time, to really focus on the frequency and quality of their written communication as a way to set goals, agendas, and to explain their thinking. And I think uh, on their verbal communication, I think leaders almost have no choice and must. How are you able to display and demonstrate some warmth and connection? Because the writing might not build connection, but speaking, sort of hearing somebody's voice and seeing them on a Zoom call or whatever builds connection. And how are you optimizing your communication so that it is building the connection um, that is being lost? So, uh, those are uh, two things. I think a very important part of leadership as well from a communication perspective uh, is vulnerability, right? Um, the fact is, how are you sharing how you are feeling? And that's a very tricky slope because hey, you don't want to spook everybody off really to tell them you're so, like, you know, you're so panicked and you're so stressed and anxious. That doesn't help anyone. But really be able to talk about whatever you are feeling in a way that helps others feel less scared, less intimidated, Let's disengage whatever other sort of plethora of, you know, difficult emotions people feel anytime, especially in times like this. So I think three things, discipline, quality and frequency of written communication, uh, verbal communication optimized for warmth and connection, um, a certain honesty, transparency and vulnerability in the way which we talk about the experience you are living as a professional, as a person, as, you know, you are as much navigating whatever stresses and anxieties as others are. True, true. Just emphasizing on the conversation about current situations. Shreshi, there are two parts to this conversation. Firstly, how do you solve workplace and client challenges? You know, it takes years to understand business problems and then find effective solution time and again from a business point of view. COVID is a beautiful example of how we all were forced to rethink about solutions for an uninvited problem. And more importantly, how do you approach an uninvited business problem? Yeah, I like your, uh, I like your description of COVID as a beautiful problem. <laughs> but uh, I, I know what you're saying. Like, of course, it's a blessing in terrible disguise uh, on many things. I think the second question first, which is how do you respond to unanticipated challenges as a business, right? 
I think there, you know, entrepreneurs certainly, and if, and actually anybody in a leadership position has to have optimism as a default setting. And I like it almost seem delusional and idiotic and immature in the moment. You have to, and, and I've studied history in college, so I think that has been a very useful perspective. You have to have a historical perspective to see that things are never as bad as they seemed like they are when you're going through them. And if you start looking at the arc of history, we're in a much better state than we were at most other points in history, right? And I think that's cool too, which always gives me the confidence that things will be better, right? And I think at some level, you need to believe that. And that has to be part of uh, your DNA. Otherwise, leading people through change and ambiguity and unanticipated challenges would be very tough if you're not that person. And, and if you are, you have to think, hey, what are the opportunities that, that are there? And none of this is easy, you know, one can sit here and, and give this gyan. And of course, I understand it isn't easy. But that is really the only hope that you have, right? And, and I keep saying, and I've said this a lot in our internal team meetings, is you can't waste the crisis. And for example, at Harappa, we didn't face the crisis. Um, I think, you know, we are one of those fortunate industries which where the macro trends are going to enable and accelerate our growth, hopefully, right? Because of just this increase towards digitalization. Uh, for example, we only had a B2B business before COVID. And we said, okay, we always had aspirations to go directly to individuals and for them to be able to buy our courses. And we said, okay, this is the time. Sort of almost overnight, we said, this is the time to launch a consumer business. Uh, because people are at home, they have much more time to focus on their own skills. They're on their laptops all the time. And and sort of we launched a B2C business in that time. The second thing we did also was we had access to, say, what, what, and at times I just used to say, what do I have access to? And which resources do I have access to that can be helpful in this time, right? And the second was, of course, that we have access to some amazing senior professionals who've been Harappa faculty. And we said, oh, can we do live masterclasses? Because, you know, everybody in there sort of in the world was doing webinars. And we said, we actually have better speakers and better content and a better position to do any of these live masterclasses than most people. So why aren't we doing that? So we started to do that. So to really have a first and foremost in this, you, you have to believe that things can be better. You have to believe. Then see what are the resources you have in some of business and how can you further the business. And I think at times like this, actually, while you're playing defense and you have to, and we play defense in the sense that I've got costs, if you're not using the office, you renegotiate your lease, right? You do all of that so that, you know, you give yourself working capital and cash and, you know, make all those sane and logical decisions. But you also have to see, I think at times like crisis and, and churn, it's almost easier if you do more rather than be at maintenance mode because some positive injection of belief has to come from something new that you try so that people can feel like, okay, this is, this is not just something, uh, you know, we are supposed to do or just to maintain things. There is some growth. If you can see even the tiniest growth and if you can see that you've done something new and there's some tiny sliver of traction and growth in it, I think it acts as really sort of positive dopamine in the system, right? So trying to really focus on what is that one thing I can do better? What is that one thing that I think is, is, is really, really helpful? And of course, seeing market trends, right? Which is in our case, we, of course, did to have sort of launched a big thing. The other thing I think from a business perspective to respond to this as a company say, hey, you, nobody can keep hiring to solve all of these problems, right? You're in the middle of a pandemic, how are you going to hire, get people to try a new thing? You have to become very good at 
resource allocation, especially about which people you give what roles to. Because one of the very sobering and in a way empowering things for me has been a sudden realization I got a couple of months back to say, hey, this is the team I have. And this is the team that is going to get us over the cross line. Now in this team, who can do what, right? For a new goal, because I can't go ahead, hire ahead of the group of business in the middle of this to try something out. So I think we, uh, in, in these times, we become a much better judge of people's skills and mix things up. And I think it also helps, you know, create some of uh, serendipity and people working with each other that happens. So that's what we've done. In terms of the client problem, for example, in our B2B business, right, we know that a lot of corporate revenue, especially on learning and development, which can often be seen as a discretionary spend, would be squeezed out because obviously as they focus on their core businesses. So they say, how can I stay engaged? How can I use this time when maybe actually the learning and development professionals will actually have more time on their hand because they probably have to cut back on a lot of the learning initiatives they were running and certainly won't be adding too many new ones. How can I use this time to really build my relationship with them, which is going to obviously come handy at it, right? So in a way, you don't stop selling, but you, you change the outcome that you're hoping for, which is not a converted contract, but a better relationship, right? Um, uh, and trying to help them. So I think we did a lot of that. Second, how can you drive sampling? And in online, actually, even to six months back, people were so skeptical about online learning as uh, being a legitimate way to learn, especially for the kind of skills Harappa teaches, right? They said, even more so than Python or whatever, how can you teach negotiation online without meeting someone else and things like that? Uh, I think we saw that change. And, and I, I really use that, especially on the campus space, where we, where we also go to universities and uh, partner with them and sell Harappa courses to them that almost overnight they had to contend with online, right? So how can you actually help them to say, share freely about, hey, these are the struggles we had building an online business. And I know now you have to shift all your classes and, and assessments and exams, you know, online overnight. Let us help you, right? So I think in those ways is how we approach other people's problems. And sampling, okay, what are products we can give people for free, which in a way will help us build a relationship with at least to get a chance to work with them. We, we have an amazing course that at the Harappa, we've actually made free all of 2020. I love your listeners to do that course also. It's called Embracing Change. And it was just so resonant of the times, right? It's mm-hmm. all about grit and setback and resilience. We made that course free for all of 2020 for anyone. Because we said, okay, this is our commitment as a, as a learning institution that's focused on these kinds of skills. And the world has never needed to know how to change more than now. And so let's just use this course to engage in better relationships and help whoever it is that we can. Mm, Right. You know, we spoke about effective communication and we also spoke about leadership skills. But in between this also comes something which is a larger picture for team management or client management, which is collaboration. Now, collaboration, be it internally or with new business potential, it's very important for expansion plans. And also internal collaboration is always a challenge because, you know, in bigger companies, especially you have focused teams or focused skill sets, which where you're told what to do and can't explore beyond that in terms of a job profile. Now, how do companies really shape up collaboration better in such situations? You know, again, it's one of those things that is shocking to me now as I've been building a rapport that, uh, you know, we are not taught how to collaborate in school or college, right? All our marks, there's no penalty for being a poor collaborator through school and college. Uh, it's only your individual performance that matters. So guess what? In the world, we all know that the individual performance can amount to very little 
if you're not able to collaborate so well and actually that there's a whole science to how, how human beings come together how they work how they iron out their differences how they set goals together how they set group norms together so that they can do that and none of us have really been taught that right um so i think there is just so much science on that one and research around group dynamics the dynamics of groups of people trying to do anything together as well as so much sort of institutionalized research on how organizations behave that that one truly boggles the mind that we would not bring that to everyone else right so i think uh, to everyone who wants to improve collaboration skills in their teams right now uh, now or anytime this is a, I, I i think first obviously online learning is a great way to do it second is just such amazing free resources out there if you really want it to that people can become better collaborators again this is where we we become very personal to say oh that person is very difficult to work with but we don't try and pinpoint to the point of why why do i find working with that person difficult do i find working with that person difficult because we have such different attitudes towards deadline i love feel of a deadline i want to do everything in the last 24 hours before something is due that person actually likes being much better prepared and wants to talk out things which i might feel find excessive analyzing but that's the way and actually that friction is why we don't work uh, well together right so i think those kinds of conversations to start training people again collaboration is a highly learnable skill it's a highly learnable concept and I, so i i would certainly encourage anybody managing a team to sign up people on free or on paid courses on collaboration there is a there is a lot to do there for sure and and speaking about the early education which you mentioned speaking about it to school students and college students tell me why does it need to be a part of school curriculums and if it is how is it going to be treating the introvert students different from extrovert students in this format of a curriculum Well, what a fascinating question about introvert and extrovert. Thanks for actually uh, never really thought about that in that way, and I'm just going to um, bring that to our team as well. So thank you for asking that. I'll let me take the first part of the question first. Of course, and a lot of people say, "Hey, where's Harappa for kids? And why aren't you guys in school and things like that?" Right? So of course, there's a need for uh, these skills and this kind of curriculum in school, and there are some experiments to do that. It's going to take time. It's going to get better. I think it's. there are school systems which are becoming a little bit more attuned to this and of course there are some very evolved school systems like ib uh, which actually focus on these skills so it will take time i think why we are not doing it as as much as is a product market fit there's a there's a founder product there's a founder market fit as well and both samat and i have never really worked in school so it's a space we didn't feel confident that we understood yet that's one of the reasons why harappa is not in Well, of course, we're in colleges, so our curriculum is going to colleges. So hopefully, we'll be making a dent there. Now, to your question about introvert and extrovert, you know, on some things, I actually feel like online learning and you see social media platforms, right, or any creative platforms, they are really the one thing that they do well is break down inhibitions, and they break down inhibitions because it can seem like you know there's a safety in being in in putting on a status box on a LinkedIn or a Facebook. that you might not feel in a classroom full of, uh, full of 50 60 people right mm-hmm. so i actually think that uh, that asynchronous self paced learning kid is is quite a great boon to introverts being able to input and respond and ask the questions right only the really smart eloquent kids uh, feel the confidence to question or challenge a teacher and ask them questions the others don't in the in the safety of of an asynchronous class and with working with a live chat room i feel like 
there are actually some very very rich conversations especially people who are maybe on the more introverted side can actually have i think on courses like speaking and presence right imagine if you're already feeling underconfident and then it's not for every student the best way to do that is think or swim that you know you have to batter it go and now present in front of 100 people right so for example we have audio submissions that you can you know we encourage people to say if you record a clip of yourself you know we would have done a module on pace pause and fit as you record a module of yourself and you get individual feedback so actually for some of our courses like um, speaking writing individual feedback time to respond time to share your thoughts in, a, in, in when you're feeling confident i think is a great boost, boost for introverts especially in behavioral skills like on all of our lead skills in basic change discovering purpose leading self interpreting self these are all courses we have i don't even know how you would be able to do that in a full classroom till everybody 80 people are as comfortable with each other as as rapport i think in a way sometimes it's easier to have that conversation with the platform it seems very inhuman to many of us but it's true right because that uh, the platform isn't judging you and you're able to uh, at least have these reflections in a much safer space so actually i feel the introverts benefit more from online than extroverts do great round of conversation shashi now i'm going to move into a rapid fire round and this is a favorite part of my show always you need to be very prompt and very fast at answering this so are you ready for this okay great what is one major skill set that you think is lacking in today's education or corporate world self reflection okay tips for anger management and constructive feedback systems in corporates for employees development should be there and they're not right now <laughs> okay tips to overcome fear of being judged at work for speaking up or contributing ideas don't care that much most people are too most people are too worried about being fearful of how they're being judged to really judge you that's true most people are not judging you they're judging themselves nice how does one improve their professional value by knowing what they do really well by choosing to do what they do really well and by knowing why they're doing something okay And how does Harappa Education help an individual develop their work skills? By teaching you these cognitive, behavioral, and social skills uh, in a way, in a pace that you can choose for yourself. And lastly, five tips for building career or work goals. Wow, five tips. One, read a lot about your industry, around your industry, about people who have been successful in your industry. Most industries by now are pretty well documented. So read their history, read the history of industries that you are in. Just just don't do your role. Understand the larger system behind that. So that's the first. Second, learn to communicate better. With wherever you are on the state spectrum of any communication skills, improve that. Invest in improving that energy and effort. solicit feedback learn to ask people to give you feedback whether that's a peer you worked on whether that's a colleague from another team that you worked on or whether that's your manager whether that's whatever wherever it is that you see somebody can give you feedback ask them for it fourth trust when somebody asks you to do something you're not really sure you can do it if they have seen something in you be swayed by people's faith and trust in your abilities even before you know that you can do something that's the fourth one fifth take risks if you can at the right time do something that you hadn't expected to do take risks take, do different well done that's great stuff shreyasi friend us on your socials and let's connect now i'm going to move to the last segment of the show 
which is taking a question from the internet world or someone who writes to us. This question is from Twinkle and she asks, how do we manage multiple work arenas if we're good at multiple things rather than just one? As mostly said, jack of all, master of none. So how do we chart a career or work goals with that kind of a mindset? You know, that uh, Twinkle, I hear you and I completely resonate. I, I feel I'm a little bit like that. And I think there are two books, uh, one TED Talk and one book that I recommend that you start reading or listening to and it really help you. One is this um, TED Talk called uh, On Multi-Potential Life, right? Essentially, people who, who have lots of potential in different skills. And there's a beautiful book. Uh, by uh, David Epstein called Rave, uh, which essentially says actually people who have a range of skills and experiences and interests are actually better suited for the for the messiness and ambiguous, uh, ambiguity of professional lives, right? So I think I think we often over specialize at the cost of building a holistic set of skills, and so I don't know exactly where Winkle is in 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 their professional journey, of course. But you, and there's also the concept of the portfolio career that you know that this is not the one job that you want to do, that you want to do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of consulting, a little bit of entrepreneurship, whatever, right? So I think there's no better time to want to do what I think she wants to do, which is implicit in her question, than right now. And a portfolio career is a great way to do that. So you do a retainer gift for the stability of the income that you get from it because all of us have to run our lives in our homes. Then you do something just because of the, you know, the passion or curiosity of it. Then you do something because it's built for the future and will have great benefits for the future. And I think maybe the portfolio career is the right way to think about it. Great. That's pretty much it, Shresi. This is all that I have for you on this episode. Thank you for introducing us to the habits that we really need to focus on and there's some or the other way where we really don't prioritize these kind of habits but it, it helps us so much more in our professional and personal life thank you so much for being a part of the deliberate talks podcast i hope you had fun of course i did thank you very much i'm very good question. i wish you and harappa education all the best wishes and thank you for being a part of the show well now that you've learned about habits it's time to action them and that's pretty much it for this episode. If you have any feedback, feel free to write to the deliberate talks at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on the social media platforms of Deliberate Talks and the Pixelated Egg Digital Ventures. Join in next week for another episode with another guest. Till then, inspire and be inspired.